Republicans are not stopping with the Biden impeachment threats. We've talked about this now off and on for several weeks, if not several months in a broader sense. But there was the question, are Republicans realizing they don't have any actual evidence against Joe Biden? This criminal bribery uh, conspiracy that he was involved in doesn't seem to really exist. Maybe we will quietly move on from talking about impeaching Joe Biden. No. Two weeks ago, we started hearing from various Republicans that they expect Joe Biden to be impeached in 2024. And one of the fascinating uh, pieces of video related to this include Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, being asked about the merits of the Biden impeachment, the merits of the Trump impeachments. And essentially what Speaker Mike Johnson says here is that the Trump impeachments were bad, but the Biden impeachment would be good. That is, of course, if they decide to go forward and do it. Take a listen to this. President Biden and the Biden family, we, we owe it to the American people to continue this process, but to do it methodically and transparently. Ah. Many of you know I was on, uh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a constitutional law attorney. I served on President Trump's impeachment defense team twice. Right. And we lamented openly and we decried how the Democrats politicized that process. They were brazenly political and how they they brought those uh, meritless impeachment charges against the, the president. This what you're seeing here is exactly the opposite. This is different, guys. This is different. We are the rule of law team. The Republican Party stands for the rule of law. President so the argument here, Trump impeachment, bad Biden impeachment would be good. A number of Republicans, they are very clearly ramping up to this. A number of Republicans now talking about this. Here is a clip from uh, yesterday, I believe it is from Fox News, where they are talking about this very issue. Jim Jordan, House Ways and Means Committee, uh, Chairman Jason Smith. Gentlemen, uh, I apologize. It's a little shortened segment than we had a plan for. Uh, Congressman Comer, this is your committee. This is 2018, a money laundering investigator warning about Hunter's unusual erratic payments from China. Uh, why didn't anything happen? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the bank did what it was supposed to do. The compliance officer caught it. They realized that this is a wire into what they said was a company with uh, no known purpose. I mean now, remember, it's really important as you hear James Comer talk about this stuff. It's not even clear there's a crime here. I am not going to come here and defend all of Hunter Biden's business practices because there could be all sorts of different reasons why this money is moving. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's completely innocent. Maybe it's not. But we don't even know that there is a crime here and we absolutely have no connection to Joe Biden. That's the important thing. How is this all supportive of an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden? It was a shell company or a fake company. And they were concerned because the uh, the politically exposed person who owned the account was the son of the former vice president of the United States. Remember, the son of the former president of the Uni vice president of the United States, who at that time did not even have an official role. They knew through press accounts uh, and through his ex-wife's testimony and interviews that he had a drug problem, that he was in financial trouble. So they knew that he was compromised. They knew that China did this. This is the way that China bought influence. This is the way that China compromised politicians. They would send money to compromised family members of big politicians to try to gain influence. So when they were when they contacted the, the Bidens to ask, what was this $5 million wire? They said it was a loan, just like what Joe Biden said, the checks that we identified he received was a loan.
So there it is. They find a way to crowbar Biden in by saying, well, if these were loan repayments to Hunter Biden, that sounds very similar to this thing Joe Biden said, which related to his cousin, which is completely public and on the up and up. And there is still nothing connecting Joe Biden to any kind of crime or even evidence of a crime at all. Let's look at one more of these. Here is Elise Stefanik, Republican congresswoman, uh, taking questions during the um, this is sort of like a weekly question thing that Republicans do. Good morning. Thank you for coming to our weekly House Republican stakeout. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Welcome back. I wanted to begin with a quote from Thomas Jefferson, who said, quote, <laughs> the most sacred of the duties of government is to do equal and impartial justice to all its citizens. Right. In pursuit of that sacred duty, House Republicans have worked tirelessly on behalf of the American people for months to deliver transparency following the money and the facts to uncover what I believe will prove to be one of the largest political corruption scandals of our lifetime. Is there any crime that you've identified yet, Elise? And potentially in our nation's history. This impeachment inquiry led by the chairman here today, Jamie Comer, Jim Jordan and Jason Smith, continues to provide the American people the answers they both demand and deserve. Does it? They have found over $10 million from China, Russia, Ukraine and Romania funneled through the corrupt influence peddling schemes to line the pockets of the Biden crime family. Notice, by the way that she doesn't say where that money was going, because so far what they found is that Hunter Biden's company received money. They did work in exchange for money. There is no connection to Joe Biden. She's always very careful with her words on that. DOJ, FBI and other federal agencies mobilized to play cover up and attack Biden's leading political opponent, Donald Trump, in a desperate effort to distract from Joe Biden's failings. There you go. So there's the conspiracy that the indictments against Donald Trump are timed in order to distract from all of Joe Biden's problems. Of course, it's like, what problems are you talking about? This investigation has found nothing. So let's just review Donald Trump's first impeachment uh, was because of abuse of power and obstruction, obstruction of Congress. The abuse of power came from the allegation that Trump solicited foreign interference in 2020. It relates to Ukraine and the idea that he wanted Biden investigated and the investigation to be publicly announced and so on and so forth. Trump's second impeachment was for incitement of insurrection after the January 6th riot. We know what happened on that day. In both cases, there was an inquiry. There was an investigation. Charges were brought based on specific actions that were attributed to Donald Trump. Now, uh, he was ultimately acquitted. But remember that being impeached, really what we mean is the House has impeached you. Then it goes to a trial. The Senate decides whether to convict or acquit. On the other hand, on the other hand, what we have with Joe for Joe Biden are allegations without any evidence, no evidence of a crime, never mind evidence that Joe Biden is connected to a crime. And when you call them out and say it doesn't seem like you have evidence, they say, well, the evidence is being covered up. They're stonewalling us. We believe we expect we 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 are thinking that this is what's going to find what we are going to find when we investigate. But we need to do the impeachment inquiry to find the evidence because they're obstructing us. Now, the simplest explanation in this case, to me, seems like the most reasonable one. They haven't found evidence that in his 40 plus year public career, Joe Biden committed a crime because Joe Biden didn't commit any crimes. I would be the first to say if evidence of a crime was brought forward, that's something he needs to be held accountable for. At this point in time, they have nothing. 
It is not stopping them. And it is yet another thing that's on the table. If Republicans do well in 2024, uh, they almost certainly will impeach Joe Biden uh, if he wins reelection and Trump does not. And so this is not just about November from the standpoint of the Oval Office. It's about November from the standpoint of the Senate, the House of Representatives. They don't care that they don't have evidence. They are actually using that to say it must be covered up. So therefore, we need to do more. I want to play a video for you that I think is super interesting. Um, our friends over at uh, Midas Touch edited this together. Joe Biden was taking questions two days ago and he was asked about proposed cuts from Republicans and Kevin McCarthy. And what is really interesting about this is that Joe Biden turns around. You know, some are calling it a gotcha question. Some are calling it an uninformed question, whatever the case may be. Joe Biden turns it around and makes it clear that the entire premise of Republicans complaining that Biden won't give them the cuts they want is very silly. Listen to this, how Biden really does handle this very well. Speaker McCarthy said that he asked you numerous times if there was anywhere in the federal budget for cuts, but he did not get an answer. So is there a got a specific answer? Got a specific answer again today. Which is what? But first, I, you didn't listen either, so why should I even answer the question? I, we cut the deficit by $160 billion, billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, dollars on the Medicare deal. We cut the deficit by raising the tax on people making uh, 55 corporations that made $40 billion to 15%, and the list goes on. So, but in terms of what he is proposing, is there any room for negotiation? What's he proposing? Did he tell you? So this is this is a this is very well handled because the reporter is running with the line. Joe Biden's not considering any of our cuts. He's just he doesn't even want to look at what we're proposing. He's not even going to look at it. And Joe Biden turns around and said, what is the substance of these cuts? I mean, do you even know or are you just repeating what Kevin McCarthy told you? You I'm not being facetious. Did he tell you what he's proposing? He, He was talking about the bill. Yeah. What what does it propose? Do you know? I'm not being a wise guy. You all are very, very informed people. Do you know what that bill cuts? He, there is a long list of things that it, it cuts. No, no, it doesn't say. It says, does it say what it's going to cut or just say generically it's going to cut? Exactly. Exactly. This is a classic from Republicans. We have all these cuts we're proposing and he's not even willing to listen to any of them. Well, you're just generically saying we're going to cut 10 billion, whatever. When we hear from uh, uh, many of these Republicans similarly that they have a proposal for X and they won't even Biden won't even listen to the proposal. Well, what is the proposal? What's in the proposal? And this is how Republicans will operate. They will feed Republicans. uh, They will feed journalists questions based on no real information. And then when you actually look into the details, you go, oh, yeah, what are they actually proposing to cut? They do this with regulations. We have we have proposed cutting 2000 regulations. I'm going to cut two regulations for every new one or whatever the case. What exactly are you looking to cut? Generically saying regulations doesn't tell us whether these are worthy regulations or not. The number of regulations, by the way, also doesn't tell us their merit just because you can find what does it even mean to cut a regulation? This is very well handled. And what I would like to see, what I would prefer would be that the reporters Ask Kevin McCarthy, what are you asking for 
so that then they are more informed when they go to Joe Biden. And then maybe you could actually get Joe Biden say, oh, yeah, here's six things they want to cut. Here's why it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Nicely done by Joe Biden. I don't actually know who this reporter is. She sounds perfectly nice. It's not a personal attack, but she is taking a talking point from Kevin McCarthy and then making it a question to the president with no actual evaluation or analysis. That's exactly what Republicans want. Joe Biden was smart to interfere with it. We're going to take the quickest of breaks and then we'll be back with much more on the Friday show. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert and it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble. Totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous. And you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over a hundred desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping, and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman5. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use code Pacman5 for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. No matter your genetics or lifestyle choices as humans, we all share some basic foundational nutritional needs and properly replenishing your nutrients daily is important for gut health, stress management, immune system. And that's where our sponsor AG one comes in. AG one is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs with something that you can easily absorb and utilize. So instead of a multivitamin or fumbling around with 10 different vitamin bottles, 
I've just replaced all of it with one scoop of AG one. I get the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics, the probiotics, all the stuff I'm looking for. It's delicious. It goes great in a smoothie. You can drink it straight with water like I do in the morning before my famous cappuccino. I've been doing it for years. You're just covering your nutritional basis for the whole day. It's simple. You don't have to buy a bunch of different vitamins. My audience knows I don't advertise miracle solutions and cures, and there's no miracle cure or solution here. It's just a simple product that works that replaces the clumsiness and the cost of a ton of different vitamins. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG1 and a free year's supply of vitamin D, which, as I've said, I take in the winter when there's a lot less sun out. That's drink. A is in Adam. G is in green. The number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show is an audience supported program. We depend on people who watch a YouTube video, listen to a podcast, whatever the case may be who sign up at joinpacman.com. We completely control this membership experience, so nobody can algorithmically shut us down or whatever the case may be. Uh, we also do a daily bonus show for our paid members. The show is available hours earlier to our members than to everybody else, and it really is very, very affordable. You can once again sign up at joinpacman.com. Let's hear from some people in the audience. We take calls on the Friday show via discord. You can find our discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. And um, it, people are welcome to ask me about absolutely anything they want. Let's start today with Greg from New Jersey. Greg, what's going on? What's on your mind today? What can I do for you? Greg from New Jersey, please accept my invitation to join the program. Greg. Hello, David. Hi. Um, first time, long time. I oh had a question about this. All right, Greg, your connection is not good enough to do this right now, so I am unfortunately going to have to let you go. Let's go next to Justin in Arkansas, Justin in Arkansas. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Kick us off here, hopefully with a strong connection. Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, David, uh, I've been in Arkansas since uh, 2009. Okay, I, br I was brought here by the Air Force. I'm actually uh, a, a military police vet, and um, I'm here because of uh, it's where the support structure is for my special needs son. And I just got out of uh, working for the government and uh, I'm finding it really difficult to find employment anywhere because of just how many, you know, how Republican this place is and the, and the ideology that is shared amongst just a large number of the population. And my question to you is a huge one is like, what what do we do in these states that are just so dominated by like MAGA Trumpism? Yeah, like where progressive Democrats are such a small minority. Like, what do we? So tell me is, more. In, can you tell me in in what way 
are you struggling to find employment on this basis? Is it that you go somewhere and just the entire environment is so very clearly right wing that you don't want to work there? Or are you not getting hired because of your political views? Well, I think I have to say that even beyond that is that I've worked in law enforcement, right? So that leans heavily conservative. I think we can agree. And then in Arkansas, especially, you're you're even more far right. And then it's just been. uh, And then I have an even further complication with like legal matters against the state, but I can't really get into that. But just to keep it simple, Justin, just to to kind of. So are you are you finding it hard to find a place you want to work because of the political environment or are you being discriminated against for your views? I feel like no, even if it's not outspoken, if you're just not an open Christian conservative, like it's very I stick out like a sore thumb and I feel like. But, but you stick out able, in what way? How do people how do potential employers know that you stick out? Like what's happening? Well, like if I don't say Merry Christmas, you know, like if I don't say God bless you when somebody sneezes, like oh. I have a, I have a special needs son who has had numerous neurosurgeries and I, I get zero empathy from these people outside of thoughts and prayers, you know, like from so, which people, which people like state leadership. Like I worked for the government of, of the state of Arkansas. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult. I, I guess I, my broad question that I wanted to ask David yeah. was just like, what hope is like to gather and like organize in places like Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, where you are actually just, you're stuck, you're stuck financially. You're stuck, yeah. you know, just by economics, like, what well, are- listen, I wish I had a specific solution for you. I don't, of course, but I think yeah, at I'm, a certain point, it's a matter of kind of determining what is it that you can or need to do for your family. And for some people, they might say, well, what I need to do is I need to move to a different state, for example. I'm not suggesting right. you do that, but I think everybody kind of has to figure out in my particular situation what, if anything, is there that I can do? And maybe your future is in Arkansas. Maybe it's not. I wish I had better advice. I know, David. I, I, I mean, listen, know. long term, everybody would benefit from more people like you going to Arkansas and changing the political system. Right. That's a longer term solution. Short yeah. term, you, you've got to do what you've got to do for your family to some degree. You know, so there, there's a conflict here. There is. It's just unfortunately being bound by he. he my child has special needs, and uh, yep. it, it, that requires an enormous amount of, of a support structure. I guess I, I've just had a very hard time uh, finding like-minded individuals, and um, and I, I love listening to your program. Uh, I, I was just happy to be able to get through and talk to you, even if you weren't able to provide me with an answer. Just to, I, I listen to you daily, man. I'm a big fan. Appreciate and, um, it. I, I appreciate everything you put out. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's hard uh, when you're you feel isolated uh, and it's yeah. nice to hear a voice that echoes a sentiment uh, that I agree with. So I appreciate well, it. I appreciate that. Justin from Arkansas. Great to hear fr- from you and hope that uh, hope that it, it, you get it figured out and that that it improves. But it is definitely a complicated situation. Uh, let's go next to. Uh, oh, I don't know. How about 
Who I can't even see the name. Who's this from New Jersey? Uh, is it Colton or Connor? Connor from New Jersey. Welcome to the program. What is on your mind today? Connor from New Jersey, you've got to accept my invitation in order to be able to talk to me. And there goes Connor. Connor is gone. Let's go to Ellie from Seattle. Ellie from Seattle. Welcome back to the program. What's on your mind today? Um, I um, well, I'm, I'm wondering, um, I know that, you know, you like obviously like to do your research before you opine on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one area, you know, I, I love the show and agree with most of the things you have to say. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm wondering how much uh, research you do, um, you know, as a, as a cis person opining on things like uh, transgender folks, specifically like the, the trans and sports issue. Um, you know, I'm wondering, have you actually talked to any transgender individuals about this issue before forming your opinion? Well, I've not talked to any trans or cisgendered individuals in the sense that I'm doing my research by reading the things people people write by looking at studies that have been done or, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know if you're asking, do I take any special precaution when researching trans issues as opposed to any other issue? I mean, I try to research every issue I talk about. I'm not sure. Uh, Let me let me put it a different way. Is there something specific I said that didn't sound well researched to you? Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously you're right that, you know, the, the issue of trans folks in, in sports is, a, is very nuanced, you know, okay. um, but uh, I think that the, the right wing, you know, wanting to exclude trans folks from from uh, sports is, is uh, pretty, um, pretty blatantly, you know, um, rude's not the right word. <laughs> Um, well, it's but, not really uh, just all trans people that they want to exclude from sports. They're really focused on on trans women, right? Like, I don't hear anything about we need to deal with trans men in sports. They seem obsessed with trans sure. women in sports. Is that fair? Um, but, you know, sort of similar to, you know, trying to like ban drag shows, you know, right. it's 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 about way more than just, you know, trans women in sports or drag shows. You know, it is trying to regulate um, and dehumanize these people. Um, I guess the, the biggest question I have for you, I don't think, uh, at least in, in my recollection, I've been watching for a couple of years now, but um, I don't think you've had any um, trans guests on the show. Uh, I know you did an interview with, um, was it Pandora Box, but that didn't even make it onto the regular show. Yeah, we we've had um, we've had a couple of trans guests on the show. I mean, the the thing is, Ellie, this is for this show. Trans issues mm-hmm. aren't like the biggest thing. So in right, general, right. I mean, it's also I don't think I've had a guest on in the last many years on, you know, a whole bunch of different issues. I guess I'm trying to figure out is is the is there a criticism here? Is it that I don't sound well researched about a particular thing I said or is it that you're not happy with the representation of guests on the show or t- tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can try to correct it. <laughs> um, I, I think um, uh, sometimes when you do talk about uh, trans issues, it, it seems like uh, that there might be some more research that you need to do. Like for example, uh, I don't, I think you were talking about the women's sport or the, the sports issue uh, at this point, but um, 
well-known fact, trans women do actually experience periods or at least period-like symptoms, you know, PMSing. You said something about, you know, trans women not getting periods, and that's actually not correct. Well, trans women don't get periods in the sense that a period is the uh, monthly uh, ovulation process, right? Do, do we agree with that? Sure, sure. Okay. But they, so they I think maybe what you're referring to, Ellie, is with, that there, yeah. yeah, that hor- the, the hormone therapy that some trans women are on can mimic a symptom of uh, of periods, which is particularly mm-hmm. like the 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 lower pelvic pain. Is that is that fair to say? Is that what you're getting at? Yes. But we agree exactly. it's not a period in the sense of menstruation. Fair. Correct. Yes. OK, so it sounds like we're on the same page on that, I guess. I, I, you know, in the interest of getting to other callers, is there anything else specific that you feel I've said that's wrong about this issue? Um, comes to mind. I just wanted to, uh, you know, bring it to your attention and, and suggest maybe, you know, um, I, I know sometimes you talk to experts on things and, you know, this might be an issue you want to speak to, you know, someone who is transgender since you're not. OK, that sounds uh, sounds I mean, in in general, it's just not like trans issues aren't the top issue for this show. For me, right. as a as a progressive, obviously treating everybody kindly, treating everybody fairly, non-discrimination, all of these are values that are important. They're just as important mm-hmm. for trans folks as any other group. Uh, but sure. certainly if it's an issue that we start talking about more, it would be very reasonable to have trans voices represented on the show. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and just uh, one more comment. Uh, thanks for ditching the mustache. Oh, uh, I still have it. I still have it, but it'll be gone. It'll be gone soon. All right. Ellie from Seattle. Thank you so much for the call. Why don't we go next here to. Oh, I don't know. How about Drew from Seattle? Drew, welcome to the program. What's going on? Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. David, I have a couple questions about Biden's student loan forgiveness. Uh, okay. The first of do you think he's going to try to make a push towards anything prior to the election? Or at this point, is he going to say, I- I've made my attempts, I did what I could and maybe do something if reelected? My instinct is that Biden may do one more thing on student loans in like August, September, you know, try to time it in a way that maybe it's beneficial for him. But the truth is, Biden has done more student loan forgiveness, both by measured as by number of dollars and by number of of um, debtors than any president in the history of the United States. So interestingly, I wasn't super optimistic when it comes to Joe Biden and student loans. He's actually done way more than any other president. I find it very interesting. And another question about his his loan forgiveness plan, the the one that ultimately failed, didn't go through uh, the Supreme yeah. Court. So. It was if you were a single person and made less than one hundred and twenty five thousand, it was fully covered. And if you made more than that, it was not covered at all. I remember being a little no, bit no, confused it was the difference that. between it was either the difference between 15, 10 and twenty thousand or ten. I don't have it in front of me, but it, it it there were requirements that based on if you had certain jobs or maybe it was certain types of loans, you qualified for a larger amount of forgiveness. I don't have it in front of me, I admit. Okay, I just remember being thinking it was odd that it didn't seem progressive, like the like the covid relief payments, how it it made it it made it seem like it was if you made one hundred and twenty four, you would get full benefits. And if you made 
oh, 125 and one dollar, you you wouldn't qualify. And I remember thinking that was odd, and I didn't know if the messaging was quite. In right other words, the, that instead of a Biden phase out, it was just like you just go to zero benefit. Yeah, I I don't have it in front of me, Drew. But in terms of sure. your question, I think. Biden should should make sure people know about the amount of student loan forgiveness that he's done. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make another push over the summer. Great, thanks. And my only other question about student loans is I've heard it come up uh, around the Thanksgiving table. This is uh, it's trying to make the the middle class pay for the wealthy. And you do a quick Google search and it's still maybe 50 percent of people are, are going to college. So how do you, how do we from the left have those conversations around student loan forgiveness with with that being the case, is it is it more to the middle class? Because I feel like a lot of those conversations will often pivot. People on the left might say, well, what about COVID relief or, or other loans or, or what about this or that? But it, how would you have that conversation if, if someone challenged you to say, you know, this is just uh, middle class or, or people that didn't go to college trying to pay for people who did and, and that not being fair? Yeah, I mean, I think what I would what I would do is just go to the facts of what we know. There was a there was an analysis done of Biden's proposal, and it found that as proposed, if you look at who actually has the loans in the amounts that they have them, the percentage of loans that would be forgiven based on the amounts that are in that plan, it still Mm -hmm. does go disproportionately to those debtors with lower income rather than higher. And number two, I think we need to be making it clear that we should be making it easier for more people to be able to go to college. Part of this is about the cost of college has to come down. We should also offer incentives for trade schools. There's a whole bunch of different um, uh, rebuttals to that. They're all very sensible. I think oftentimes the people who say what you're saying, Drew, they don't really Mm want to get any of this information. They just want to keep repeating that talking point. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like there's opportunities to address college maybe more across the aisle because there seems Absolutely. to be some criticisms from both sides. But thanks for answering my questions, David. Drew, thank you. you. Drew from Seattle. Great to hear from you. Let's take a quick break and then we will go right back and hear from some more people. One of our sponsors today is Straight Arrow News, an independent news website and app really focused on unbiased fact based journalism. The top two independent media bias rating services have recognized their reporting as having a center or middle bias, no spin bias or filter to get the news. You can download their free app at san.com slash Pacman or go directly to Apple or the Google Play app stores and type in straight arrow news in the app. You will get access to daily news, investigative reports, exclusive interviews. Their free media miss tool is great. It helps me find stories that are either underreported, sometimes being totally ignored by different sides of corporate media. This gives SAN app users the most complete picture of the news. Also in the app, there's a cool feature to set up personalized notifications about topics and contributors like me. I do an SAN exclusive where I am doing weekly commentary on Mondays. Make sure to set up your Straight Arrow News app to watch it. These clips are only on Straight Arrow News. Straight Arrow News is about unbiased, straight facts reporting. Go to SAN.com slash Pacman to learn more and get their free app. That's san.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. 
our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back and hear from some more people on Discord. We are going to go next to Oh, I don't know. How about Rose from Oregon? Rose, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Um, I'm curious. Do you think that when Democrats write articles about polls saying we should freak out, yeah. i.e. David Axelrod, that someone's got to them? Maybe somebody was like, I'll cut you a check to write this stupid op-ed. No, just wouldn't. Would, doesn't make I've, there's no evidence of that. Um, and it doesn't even seem like there's really a monetary value to attach to it in that transactional way. Uh, I don't I don't think that I don't think that that's the case. Now, David Axelrod may, may get paid for writing op eds in general. He may be on, on some kind of contract to write op eds, but I don't think that anybody's going and saying, hey, I'll slip you 30 grand if you yeah, write it's gotta that. be like a hundred dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, I don't it's just it, there, I have no reason to think that that's going on. It just seems so like it just seems so goofy that it's like, why, why are you guys doing this? Why aren't you just talking about positive things that have taken place? And like, Yeah, I mean, so- listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing Biden 2024 is not God's gift to Democratic candidates. It's OK to say, OK, there's a lot of ways in which Biden is not the ideal candidate. At the same time, you've got the power of incumbency so far, a pretty good economy. And a lot of people who if they say, hey, you get a chance to do 2020 again, are you going for Trump this time are going to say, hell no, I'm going to be out there making sure it doesn't go to Trump. So I don't think it's the end of the world the way some people do. I could be wrong, Rose, right? Maybe I'm wrong and Biden gets blown out of the water. I just don't see it. I, I mean, I think that com- it would completely ignore incumbent elections in the past. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I feel like everybody is just like they've uh, like zapped their brain and forgot what we do with incumbents. You know, well, people uh, are saying it's different. We've never had an incumbent who was so old and seemed uh, low energy or whatever the case may be. Yeah, we've also never had a situation in which a former president lost reelection and then is running again while facing four criminal trials. I mean, it's unprecedented in every sense of the word. I went to work for somebody that was 86 when I went to work for them and they were sharp as a tack and people were like, well, what if he dies? And here he is, you know, 96, still kicking, <laughs> you know, so it's like the guy, he didn't even get old till he was 92. You know, that's when he slowed yeah, down. And so listen, the- Biden and Trump are almost the same age. Trump's obese. I, I go with Biden on the health issue of longevity. That's what the actuaries are saying when they look at it. Well, this kind of leans me into I have another question for you or just a comment maybe, but. 
you know, in terms of uh, people just sort of ignoring the message in the wrong voice. And so like the Tucker, the Tucker deep fake, it seemed yeah. to work well in uh, that direction. I thought that immediately yesterday. I was like, well, maybe this is positive before you ever read what the OP said. Right. I was like, well, this is positive because this is like hearing something they should hear in a voice they might listen to rather than right. just skip the video. Yeah. If my entire but- show was redubbed to sound like Tucker Carlson, maybe it would pull in a bunch of right wingers. Who knows? You may be onto something. Oh, well, and, but you couldn't go the other way. You couldn't dress up a Ted Cruz statement or a Rick Santorum or let's right. even just go worse. Like, let's go further back. Like you couldn't dress up a Strom Thurmond statement in AOC's voice. It yeah. wouldn't pass the sniff test. That's true. No, that's very interesting. That's true. I'm going to think about that more, but that's an interesting point. Uh, and I just would like to comment uh, back to the other caller, Ellie. Um, you know, I don't think that your comments on trans people are ever. I, I don't. I always feel like I'm learning something, and I am of the demographic. So I feel like I mean, one. I really actually appreciated a few weeks ago. You had the show with the war photographer on. I thought that was an amazing interview, and there were Good. some callers that have been calling in with trans stuff. Yep. And I thought that I loved that you were responding to these callers. I thought that it was very well stated. And there's, you know, there's comments about people being like, well, you don't want your daughter to see a penis in the locker room. One, these comments almost always come from penis owners. <laughs> so they're like, what's this bodily self-hatred or something here? But I get the point. But something that people act like is act like, again, trans men are left out of this conversation, but they act like trans women are in the bathroom waiting with their, with their body. They've weaponized our body against yep. us. But for many women taking hormone therapy, your parts aren't on call. It's not like that, you know? And they act like, you know, you're in the bathroom, like masturbating or something. And like, that's a part of our body that's, it, things change quite a bit. And yeah, and there's already people- laws against, uh, you know, beha- plenty of behavior is already not allowed in bathrooms. And the trans issue doesn't really change that, you know, Rose, I'm going to let you go because I have so many people waiting. It's great to hear from you. Let's go next to Yahia from Virginia, who is currently undecided. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Yahia from Virginia, you're on the air. What's going on? And last chance for Yahia from Virginia. All right. Sad we couldn't make it happen. Let's go to Donald from California. Donald from California. Welcome to the program. What uh, what's on your mind today? No, boy. Donald's asleep at the switch, not even uh, accepting my invitation. That's too bad. Let's go to Brendan. Brendan from New York, who is currently undecided. What's going on, Brendan? Hey, David. Uh, You wouldn't know this, but you and I are kind of similar age. Um, I think coming up, one piece of sort of like political orthodoxy was this idea that uh, George W. Bush not benefited himself, but approval rating wise benefited from 9-11. I mean, listen, you just have to look at his approval rating. It's absolutely the case that his approval rating went sky high after 9-11. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So my question was kind of we we sometimes look at existential threats as the sort of thing that can definitely buoy a candidate. Do you think that a similar type of uh, event, not necessarily 9-11, not wishing anything, obviously, but um, do those do you think that we would have a similar response in terms of unification? Does it matter the the candidate or person, or do you think it's more of a how the rest of us would respond type of thing? This uh, is a really good question. After nine eleven, 
there was incredible unity in the United States. It wasn't total. Not everybody supported George W. Bush. And once George W. Bush attacked the quote wrong country after 9-11, support went down and down and down. But there was a period where the country really was, hey, we're in this thing together sort of sort of stuff. I would love to be able to tell you, Brendan, that if something like that were to happen now, the country would also rally around Biden and his approval would hit. I think it was like 80 percent or so that George W. Bush, 81, 82 percent, something like that. The difference, I believe, is that today versus 9-11, the Republican Party has become such an abortive political project. It has become so partisan. Many of its voters have become so extreme that if there were to be a similar attack under Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden never gets to 80 percent approval because of this contingent of hardcore extreme right wingers who will never get behind a Democratic president. I wish it weren't the case, but I, that's where I think we are right now. That's fair. Brain teaser. Uh, do you think it would be Biden or Obama would inspire more or less unity? Or do you think it, it's a, one of these things that's sort of out of their hands? Uh, I'm not sure I know what you're saying. If there was a terrorist attack with Biden versus Obama as president, which one would inspire more unity? Yeah. It's of- tough to answer because this problem that I'm talking about, the radicalization of the Republican Party is way worse now than it was when Obama was president. So I I don't really have a good answer. You know, if you replace Biden today with Obama and there's a terrorist attack, I don't know. They're both pretty acutely hated by the right wing at this point. Cool. Thanks. All right. Brendan from New York. Great to hear from you. Let's go to David from Philadelphia. David from Philadelphia. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Um, what's on my mind is I just, I want you to be sure of something. Um, the whole project 2025 agenda 47 stuff that yep. you and Keith Olbermann and Midas touch and everybody else is sounding the alarm on. Right. I agree with you guys. I believe you when you say it, but at the same time, it sounds like all of the, it just, it sounds like. Alex Jones sounding the alarm about how it's going to be the end of the world, just, you know, on the left side. So I just want to be no, sure. I disagree with you, David. So here, let me tell you the difference. Um, Project 2025 is um, organized by the Heritage Foundation. This is like an establishment right wing group. They have presentations, they have PowerPoints, they have PDFs that you can look at. There are dozens of sources that are speaking uh, on the record to Uh, media outlets and saying, I've been at these meetings. Here's the plan. And the stuff that is in there, it's not we're going to put everybody in FEMA camp stuff. It's listen, it's really practical stuff. You know how Trump got three radical Supreme Court justices? Okay, if he gets in again, he is going to do something similar, but at lower levels of the judiciary. He's going to to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you off. I agree with everything you're saying and I get it. My question is, I mean, is this the is this you know, the doomsday scenario that uh, you guys are making it out to be. Well, who's making it out to be a do? I mean, again, what I'm telling you, David, is when I report this to my audience, I tell my audience, this is what's in the plan. And I think these things are bad. I'm not I don't doomsday scenario is sort of a characterization that I I don't know what you're necessarily getting. That's more that's that's more how uh, that's more how Keith Olbermann frames it on his oh, podcast. Well, I would ask him about I haven't seen anything he's done. in. Years. I mean, I'm asking. It's, it's easier to talk to you about it than him. He, yeah. You're reachable. Thank you. Um, I mean, I just 
I, I respect your opinion and you're a lot more pragmatic about yeah, everything. I think it's as bad as I've said it is. I, it's not the world will explode in fiery disaster. It's the things I told you about, the things that I've outlined that are in Project 2025. So I think with respect, I think I'm being proportional in my concern about it. OK, I'm yeah, I'm just I just wanted to bounce it off you because that whole thing is exhaustive to me that uh, it's exhaustive you know, or exhausting. Um, exhaustive exhausts, means that it's it exhausts thorough. me. It, it exhausts, exhausts me. exhausting. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, I'll look into it again and I'll keep reporting on it kind of just the, the way I see it. I'll try to be precise about it. I appreciate it. Can you give me time for one more quick thing? Sure. OK, so the whole AI thing that you showed where you know they they dubbed something you did with uh, Tucker Carlson's voice. Right. I was listening to that and the way you framed it, I knew it, Tucker wasn't going to actually say it. But in the middle of that, I was listening to it and I'm like, this sounds like something David Pakman said. Mm. My person, I personally think I'm, I'm pretty good at uh, telling when it's an AI, when something's AI and it's not actually said by somebody, it lacks that actual human touch the, their inflections i think everybody uh, being upset or scared over you know ai replicating people's voices i think they just need to you know what's the word i'm looking for they need to uh just be a little smarter they need to actually you know think critically about what they're listening to and it's like does this sound something like this what this person would say right all right i agree with that david from philadelphia thank you so much for the call Let's go next to Sarah Beth from Washington. Sarah Beth from Washington, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Oh, Sarah Beth, you've got uh, to accept. There you I go. I just wanted to know what you do with your latkes. My family does applesauce and sour cream together. So how do you eat them? I, I find the mixture of applesauce with sour cream a little bit off putting, to be perfectly honest, Sarah Beth. I'm really just an applesauce guy with my latkes. Do you, do you use the cinnamon applesauce or are you just plain? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Just plain applesauce, please. Okay. And then what are, what are your favorite donuts for the holiday? <laughs> I don't really eat donuts, I'll be honest. What, what do they have? I guess they, uh, I don't even know. I don't know. Give me a couple options and I'll pick one. I, well, every year I make the, the traditional jelly and then I, uh, my son likes the Nutella ones. So I make those. Um, my family sometimes makes cream filled because they're weird, but I mean, I've are, never had a Nutella donut. That sounds pretty good. It It's, he likes it a lot. He's autistic yeah. and he loves Nutella. So. All right. Well, uh, can't, can't argue with the success of the product. That's for sure. Yeah. I hope you have a happy holiday and, uh, thanks for your show. All right. Thank you so much. There is Sarah Beth from Washington and a great note on which we can wrap calls for today. We will take calls again. It'll just have to be on next week's show. Have you seen these people search sites? It's a big data privacy problem in the United States. They publish personal profiles on millions of Americans for people to see. It's crazy. They can show your address, your Internet activity. License plate can be there even your political and religious beliefs. People buy and sell this information about you, and sometimes it's even shown online for free without you being aware. Our sponsor, Incogni, is a powerful platform that will simplify this whole process for you. You create an account on Incogni. Within a minute, they go to work getting your data taken down 
from these data broker databases. They'll keep you updated every step of the way. They'll handle disputes or websites that try to refuse to take your info down. It can cut down on robocalls. It can make you less susceptible to scams. Even identity theft is a risk that they can help mitigate. Folks, you do not want this type of personal information floating around out there. Let Incogni take care of it for you. The first hundred people to use the promo code Pacman get 60% off when you go to incogni.com slash Pacman. That's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The info is in the podcast notes. People in my audience who sometimes struggle with sleep, you know, you've got those habit forming prescription medications, which sometimes have side effects. You've got your herbal remedies that often do nothing. That's why the go to can be melatonin, which is clinically proven to work and without the side effects and the grogginess. Our sponsor Beam makes delicious nighttime hot cocoa drinks called Dream with melatonin to help you get to sleep. Melatonin can also help correct circadian rhythm disturbances to get your schedule back on track. Like, for example, if you have jet lag, Beam's Dream Hot Cocoa with melatonin comes in great tasting flavors like mint chocolate chip, chocolate peanut butter, sea salt caramel or caramel. Come on. No sugar added, sweetened with monk fruit, only 15 calories per serving. My favorite is cinnamon cocoa. I'll just be up front. It's great to have before bed sometimes. It's hot, very flavorful, but not overly sweet. It's just a soothing way to wind down like an hour before going to bed. If you want to try Beam's best selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Pacman. That's shopbeam.com slash Pacman for up to 50% off. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, it's time for Friday feedback on the Friday show. We'll look at emails and Reddit posts and Twitter messages and YouTube comments and the entire thing and see if we can get, you know, make heads or tails out of some of the different things that are said uh, by people. So let's look at some of these. First message today came from Aaron Euler and says I, this is about the abortion debate to the extent that there is one. Why can't the two sides just use the heartbeat as the deciding factor and settle this? We call someone dead when their heart stops beating, right? What a waste of time and energy. Well, unfortunately, this would not be a good idea saying, well, you can have an abortion up until there's a heartbeat and then not beyond that doesn't actually make any sense. First of all, you can detect a fetal heartbeat now with modern technology. Uh, as early as six weeks into a pregnancy, many women don't even know that they are pregnant yet. So the fetal heartbeat idea uh, for determining when you can and can't have an abortion is one of the most reactionary anti-choice things you can do. Um, if you have a plus minus a week on your period and uh, you're a week late, you could essentially end up being five and a half weeks pregnant before you miss your period and then you wait a little longer and it, it just it's completely not practical. It doesn't really allow women to make the decisions uh, that they should be allowed to make. Secondly, 
The fetal heartbeat is really not the developmental milestone that many people think it is. A heartbeat is a sign of life that is developing, but it's not indicative of viability in any way. Viability, meaning the point at which a fetus can survive outside the uh, mother's body is between 24 and 28 weeks. I think there's some record where there there have been some 22 week or something like that emergency type situations may, might even be under five. But the point here is a heartbeat at six weeks does nothing to indicate that this is a fetus that can live independently or is even viable. You can also have a fetal heartbeat and a non viable pregnancy for other reasons that don't, don't relate to the heart. So lots of people like Aaron come up with this thing. Listen, let's just let's all get above the political fray and make abortion illegal after you detect a heartbeat. It's extreme. It doesn't make practical sense and it also doesn't make any medical sense. Here's a, a message. This is a post on our subreddit from Lumen Walters Reborn about the Vivek interview, which was before the Thanksgiving break. But we're catching up on this stuff and says this Vivek interview is wild. I wish the video was up so I could have seen his smug face while his assertions collapse under basic questioning. Absolutely insane assertions that there's some machine or puppet masters behind government leaders. What a sad, unhinged little man. Also, how does he think the party of Unite the Right is ever going to nominate a man of color? I hope that was the la this is the last we see of him after he loses. He also claims he will be top three in Iowa. Ha ha ha. Yeah, Vivek's not going to be top three in Iowa, but I would stop. This is basically accurate <laughs> where I would stop short is I don't know that the right will never nominate a man of color. They're just not going to do it in 2024. It was never going to be Tim Scott. It was never going to be uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Could they go with Nikki Haley, who is an Indian woman? Unlikely, but maybe. I think it's the least unlikely of the options that remain. Louisa says Michelle Obama in 2024 with a heart. Now, there's two sides to the Michelle Obama 2024 thing. There are people who really like Michelle Obama and just want her to run. They think she'd be a great president. On the other hand, there's the people who believe that Michelle Obama is going to be injected like bleach into the race once Joe Biden can no longer even speak due to dementia. And it's sort of like a right wing conspiracy thing. I think the important reminder is Michelle Obama has said she doesn't plan to run for president. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy said to me, I don't think it's up to her. The idea that someone's going to force Michelle Obama to run for president is pretty silly. But um, whether you like Michelle Obama or you don't, if you're waiting around for Michelle Obama to be the 2024 nominee, I think you'd better not be holding your breath. That's that's my suggestion. Ron Lugbill says, according to 538 average of polls, Chris Christie is at three percent lower than Marianne Williamson, but he is all over the media. So your argument fails. Well, there's a difference, which is Democrats are not running a primary. OK, it's not a question of opinion and it's not a question of whether we want a primary. The difference is the reason Chris Christie is getting more attention than Marianne Williamson 
is that Republicans are running a primary and they are having debates. And so Chris Christie is at the debates. He's on TV. Then he gets interviewed. Marianne Williamson is in a primary that the DNC is refusing to run. That doesn't mean she's not allowed on the ballot. It doesn't mean she's not allowed to run. As I've said, if she wants to run, she should run. Everybody should. But it's not a matter of opinion that Chris Christie is in a contested primary with debates and Marianne Williamson is not. That's the point. Even if we wish it to be different, that's the difference. Ralph wrote in and says, you are so judgmental and you lack wisdom. He was very successful and did it with grace. He will win at every avenue. You Democrats throw at him. Count on it. He is a first class businessman and one hell of a president. You are sinking with your party, Dave. Couple different things. Uh, Trump was not successful as president. And when you ask people, tell me Trump's successes, they either lie or they don't know, can't list any. Okay. Secondly, I am not a Democrat. So the idea that I'm sinking with my party, I voted for Biden over Trump because I thought he was the better choice. And as I evaluate it in a completely objective and empirical way, I see Joe Biden doing a fine job, a fine job. And then as far as Trump being a first class businessman, uh, I think the record is pretty clear on that. Not so much. Now, here's a counterpoint. Here is reflex point on the subreddit asking, do we underestimate Joe Biden? While I do this is reflex point now, while I do share the worries everyone has about Biden in 24, one thing that does make me feel better is he always outperforms expectations. It seemed like he didn't have a shot in 2020. He managed to come up from behind and take first place, even though he supposedly has dementia. Everybody said Bernie was going to destroy him in the debates. Bernie did not. Everyone said Trump was going to destroy him in the debates. Trump did not. People said Tara Reid. This is the woman who accused Biden of um, sexual harassment or assault, I believe. Uh, people said Tara Reid was the end of his candidacy and he should step down. He powered through it while remaining a gentleman. They said he doesn't know where he is and he can't give a State of the Union speech. He wittily tricked Republicans into agreeing not to t cut Social Security. He's gotten more legislative accomplishments than anyone in recent history. Trump only had one in four years. One. I could go on, but you get the point. People have been underestimating Biden for four years and they have been wrong every time. I think that this is someone looking at the facts and trying to make an assessment. And I think that it is a completely reasonable assessment to make, but it is also not predictive of the future. The fact that Biden did overperform in the past is not proof he will overperform in the future. So once again, my recommendation is make sure you're registered and plan to vote no matter what you expect. Fit Dad says, I fully agree with you. But every time I notice in God we trust on my money, I wonder if we've ever had proper separation of church and state. Well, the in God we trust on our money thing is interesting. In God we trust was first added to coins back during the Civil War in 1864. And there was increasing religious sentiment in the US at the time. During the Civil War, a lot of Americans, because it was so crazy, turned to religion for comfort or for guidance or for whatever that may be. That led to more calls to include in God we trust on currency. 
It was inscribed on the two cent coin starting in 1864. It uh, then was added to paper currency much later. In 1955, there was a law mandating its inclusion. And um, it is true that it doesn't really make sense to have that, but it doesn't change that we still have a constitution and we still have a bill of rights. And so let, let me put it this way, fit dad. If all we have to suggest that there is not separation of church and state is that our dollar bills and coins say in God we trust that in my mind doesn't trump everything that's in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. I think that's where I would leave it uh, and what I would say. J.P. Dalby says, are you really saying you're happy with the state of our country since Biden took office? Did you forget that Trump had the Middle East in peace during his term? Well, first of all, that's a lie. Uh, Trump did not have the Middle East in peace. Um, you know, saying I'm happy with the state of the country in a country of more than 330 million people. We always have serious problems that we need to deal with, and that continues to be the case today. But if I zoom out a little and I say, how's the employment situation now? It's better. How's the stock market doing? It's doing fine. How's wage growth? It's pretty good. How's inflation? It's down to three point two percent. How are our relationships with our historical and traditional allies around the world? Much repaired from when it was Trump. It's not about, oh, I'm so happy the world is perfect. The country is perfect. It's about let's just evaluate these things one by one. And um, when we do that, it becomes much harder to get away with these sort of blanket statements that J.P. Dalby is making. Tell me something specific that's not going well. I might agree with you. Or if I don't, I'll tell you why. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Get instant access. We'll have that, and then we'll be back now. 